This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, ESPNU, and of course, Sirius XM Channel 80, ESPN app, and all of our great stations across the country. Yeah, not ideal if you're a Giants fan or a Giants player like number 99 over here, Chris Canty, along with Michelle Smallman, Evan Cohen with you. Uh, 24-3, Seattle wins last night. Seattle is 3-1. and one. They beat the Giants Monday Night Football and 1-3 and three are the Giants with the next two games at Miami, at Buffalo. And if you want to group in a third game after that, home against Washington. And Washington has been better than the Giants this year. I think that's pretty clear. The Seattle defense had 11 sacks. Their top Five draft pick, top ten draft pick. Devin Witherspoon was phenomenal. Seven tackles, two sacks, an interception return. 21. For, um, for them, their defensive back. And Geno Smith hurt in the game, did come back in the game, thought he got cheap shot by the Giants last night. Was 13-20, 1-10 and a touchdown. Kenneth Walker had a rushing touchdown. Maybe arguably should have had another one when uh, the play looked like it stopped, but then they, he kept going and then they ruled him down. Got real cheeky right there. Yeah, and the butt cheeky. cheek down, uh, which cheeky. you'll hear more about butt cheeks from the one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game this hour. Yes, that is true. That's a hell of a tease. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm tuning in. Yeah, and now... <laughs> I would hope so, Smalls. That would be a problem if you weren't tuning in. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, breaking news. Hold on. Is this from Woj or Schefter here? Michelle Smallman, part of Unsportsmanlike, will tune in to Unsportsmanlike. I'm here. I'm confirmed. Here. Here we are and confirmed. Listen. Yes. Okay, good. Um, yeah, not pretty for you guys last night. No, it was real cheeky. I mean, that, that's, that's essentially how I would describe the Giants' performance last night. I mean, I, I want to use a term. I'm not going to. I'm going to refrain from that. I'm not going to be as emo as I was at the top of the show. Why? I loved it. No, I don't want to do that because I don't want to raise my blood pressure again for a <laughs> team that duped me into thinking that they were actually going to be good this year. I thought the Giants would be good. They're not. And I get that people want to point to Daniel Jones because his turnover spotted the Seahawks 14 points. But last night was not a Daniel Jones problem, although I don't think Daniel Jones was the solution to the issues that the Giants were dealing with. Last night was on the head coach. That was a bad brand of football that the Giants played last night. And Troy Aikman talked about the Seahawks defense and saying that this was a get-right type of game. When the Giants are perceived or viewed as a get-right type of opponent, that, that speaks volumes in terms of how the rest of the NFL looks at this team. And the part that is maddening to me is that Brian Dayball and his coaching staff actually had extra time to prepare. In week three, they played on Thursday night, short week, out in the Bay against the 49ers and lost 30-12. to 12. Okay, no, no shame in that because San Francisco is the best team in the NFL. Right. But you flew back east, had extra time to prepare. You had three days of extra prep on the Seahawks, and you had an extra day in your work week because you played on Monday night, not Sunday. And that's the performance that we get from you? You had eight total penalties, six on the special teams. You you had two turnovers on offense that led directly to Seahawks scores. Your defense can't tackle a nosebleed. I mean, think about it. Tackling has been one of the biggest issues that this team has dealt with through the first three games of the season. Uh, They were top – I mean, I shouldn't say top. They were bottom five in missed tackles coming into this game. Uh, They averaged more missed tackles than anybody in football on a per-game basis. Last night it shows up again with Noah Fant housing a a, a short route, a short out route from Geno Smith. I I just don't understand how we can't look at last night's performance and say, you know what, this is on Brian Dable, the head coach. 
Like the, the bloom is off the rose. All of the good feels that we had about him winning coach of the year and then winning a playoff game, that's out the window. Because there's no way you can defend the job that he's done coaching through the first four games of this season. I'm just surprised how quickly it eroded because there was so much positivity and so much momentum surrounding this Giants team heading into the season. And I guess there's a lot of things to point to, but I'm just surprised they're so undisciplined. You know, you talked about the penalties. Like, the special teams committed six penalties. That That's not something that can happen, obviously. And I guess I'm also surprised that they're coming out so slowly. The Giants have been outscored 77-9 to in the first half of games this season. Based on what we saw last year. I'm worst just, in NFL history, by the way. Oh, my gosh. It's the worst in NFL history. The worst. Like, I didn't. I, you, you, they played three primetime game smalls and outscored 94 to 15. Yikes. They, they, they've had yikes. two home games and they've been outscored, what is it, 64 to 3? Six, 64 to 3. You've had the, the first times that your fans could see your team in their own stadium. They've been outscored 64-3. to They've played exactly one good half of football all year, and that was the second half against the Arizona Cardinals, and that's after being down 17. And we thought, hey, man, this is great that the, that the Giants were able to turn this around because the season would be over if you lose to Arizona. You lose to Arizona, you can lose to anybody else. Well, guess what? The season was over then. We just didn't know it. But guess what? Everybody now is on notice. The Giants' season is over. We are writing the obituary, and the headline is, this is a team that's ill-prepared and out-coached through the first quarter of the season. I don't know that preparation always matters when you're just not as good. Like, for example— Yes, it does. No, here's why. In real life, I'm saying, you could give me a month to create a meal and Bobby Flay 10 minutes to create the meal. Bobby Flay's meal in 10 minutes is going to be way better than my meal for a month. The Giants are just not even close to as good as Seattle. Ev, what the hell that got to do with tackling somebody? They're just what, not what is, as good. What does that have to do? But, but, you're but, saying the Thursday to that, Monday. Who but, cares if they're just not as good? Well, well, I mean, if you're not good at the fundamental things, it's time to improve on those fundamental things. There's, there's, there's no – here's the thing. Tackling ain't got nothing to do with talent. That's just fundamentals. That's angles to the football in effort. That has nothing to do with talent. The penalties have nothing to do with talent. They're, they're egregious. Like you had a muff punt, and God knows you were lucky to recover that one last night, but that could have been another turnover. It's a sloppy brand of football. So, I mean, you, you say, though, the, the extra time doesn't matter. The extra time does matter when it comes to cleaning up issues that are fundamental to the sport. These are professionals. Like, I get that there might be a talent gap, but nobody was sitting there saying that Seattle was leaps and bounds from a talent sport ahead of the Giants. Nobody said that going into last night's game. That was looked at as a winnable game for both teams. And they got outclassed. They got whipped from pillar to post last night. It was an absolute embarrassment. And, and there's no way that we can excuse the, the, the lack of preparation and how that, that translates to an abysmal performance at home, followed up by an abysmal performance at home in week one against the Dallas Cowboys. It's just completely inexcusable. Eli Manning was part of the Manning cast last night, and when Daniel Jones had the pick six to Weatherspoon, here was his reaction on ESPN2. Oh, here we go. Give me something. Oh, no. 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 Is the reaction. I don't know what else he could say, though. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. It was a disaster for the Giants all around, and now you're looking at a team that is going to be mentioned as a sneaky tank team. 
right, which they're no longer sneaky. I think we're getting to the point of the season where you have to look at it that way. And it's funny because we're talking about the idea of tanking, and we said about the um, Baltimore Orioles when it comes to baseball. I got an interesting tweet on the, uh, the concept of tanking. Um, Campbell8212 tweeted in on the Dr. Pepper inbox. Be a part of Unsportsmanlike Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line and inbox at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper. He said, Tanky doesn't definitively work in baseball. It worked for the Astros and Cubs, but not for Detroit, Chicago, as in the White Sox, A's, Rockies, or Pirates. I'm not sure the Rockies tanked or were just bad, but those teams have picked near the top of the draft for years and years. What's interesting about this and how it relates to the Giants and other teams in the NFL as well is that I think there are more examples of intended losing or rebuilding in baseball ultimately working than in other sports. Like if we think about the suck for luck campaign Mm -hmm. that the Indianapolis Colts basically went through, it was the right move. They got Andrew Luck that we think was going to, or we thought was going to be a Hall of Fame talent and obviously now doesn't necessarily work out because of the fact that they built a horrible team around him and they drove him to retirement. We've seen some of these teams around the NFL and in other sports. Like, I think the Spurs are going to end up being good at some point, but if Wembenyama, Victor Wembenyama, the number one pick of the draft, is not, the tank doesn't work out. There are more examples of tank to title in baseball than there are any other sport. Because think about our champions in football, the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Eagles, the Steelers. Like, I'm just thinking about Ravens, thinking about recent champs. They weren't tank teams. In the NBA, the Warriors weren't a tank team. The Cavs, I guess, maybe a little bit were a tank team. I think they were just bad. Obviously, now, when we look at the Nuggets, they were definitely not a tank team. The Bucks were not a tank team. I think baseball has more of the tanked title than any sport, and we always have the conversation amongst us Oh, now the Giants, the season's over, right? CeCe's done two days in a row of season over conversation, Bengals and Giants. But part of that doesn't necessarily result in a title long term, but it does at times in baseball. I think it's having the right personnel in the front office, right? Like Jeff Lunau knew what he was doing in building the Astros. He knew how he he knew how to identify talent and build a farm system. Theo obviously did it in Boston. He knew what he was doing in Chicago. I feel like in the NFL, sometimes we just want to tank for the quarterback, but we're not thinking about building the team as a whole. You're not thinking about the team in totality. Andrew Luck is the example. You can tank for Andrew Luck all you want. You couldn't protect him. You're not going to win games if you can't protect him. Right. Whereas I think in baseball, they, they tank, they acquire the prospects, but they grow the entire team and then add veteran players on top of that, just like the cherry on the Sunday. Well, you need so many different people to do their job at a high level. And in order to build the infrastructure to develop the, the players, you got to have the right culture in the building. And, mm-hmm. and losing is the antithesis of building a championship culture. So if you don't, if you don't have a culture, of excellence in your building. It's going to be hard to develop your people and get the most out of them. And then the other thing that I think is unique to football in comparison to those other sports, this is a game where toughness and physicality can be the equalizer when it comes to overall talent. You might not be the fastest, you might not be the biggest, but if you're the toughest and you're the most physical, you're going to have a lot of success come December and on into January in the postseason. I don't think you can have that same type of impact in those other sports because of the nature of those sports in comparison to football. So that's why tanking really doesn't work in football Mm -hmm. outside of trying to get the quarterback. We recognize that quarterback is the most important position in all the team sports, but you do have to have a culture of of win uh, a culture of excellence in order to get the most out of your people and in order to set the 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 infrastructure in place in order to lead to sustained success. I, I think that's 
football is the outlier when it comes to major team sports and losing in order to get talent. Talent is only uh, – let me say it this way. It's always a good thing to have talent. Right. But I think talent is a smaller part of the equation in football than it is in the other three major team sports. What's interesting also about this is unlike basketball and football, in baseball you cannot trade draft picks. So it's like, okay, this team thinks they're going to be bad, like the Mets this year, right? I'm mm-hmm. a Mets fan. They had a bad season. Oh, would you trade Pete Alonso for three first round? They can't do that. That's mm-hmm. not part of the sport. And so the building of the farm system seemingly is done completely differently. Obviously, they have more rounds in the draft, et cetera, in baseball. But it is an interesting overall concept because like, if I look at the teams in the NBA and NFL that got the number one overall pick, and in theory you could say in some cases tanked, right? New Orleans, Minnesota, Detroit, Orlando, and San Antonio in the NBA since 2019. I don't think any of us are feeling like any of those teams are close to a title. In the NFL since 2019, or really if you go back 2017, the Browns twice, the Cardinals, the Bengals are close, the Jaguars we thought would be close are not right now, and the Panthers. And we assume next year it's either going to be the Cardinals or the Bears in some way, shape, or form. So the concept of the sneaky tank is we talk about it, we enjoy it. It's actually dumb. It's, I'm saying it's actually dumb because unless you have a quarterback, like this is why the Bengals sneaky tank actually could work because unless you have a quarterback and you're building the talent around him, it may not make much sense. But if Smalls is right to tie it into the baseball playoffs, we're going to have another team with the Orioles that could be that. Oh, and by the way, they're not going anywhere. Right. Yeah, they have Jackson Holiday. He was the minor league player of the year. Like they are loaded in the farm system too. Yeah, they're not it, going anywhere. It's a fascinating concept overall, the idea of that tank. Coming up next, is there one team that could be a perfect fit outside of Chicago? For Justin Fields. We'll get to that next on Sportsman like ESPN Radio. It's demon time on prize picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100, 100 times, times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make PrizePicks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepicks.com morning and use code morning for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com morning, code morning for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePicks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. Dining in dollars, doing business and bot, wherever life takes you, the Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast. Wise is the easy way to connect all of your finances internationally. Buying that dream property in Portugal? Done. Freelancing in France? No problem. Sending money back to mom? Simple. All without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Minimum fees, maximum ease, full speed. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash unsportsmanlike. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. You can watch us, ESPNU. Listen to us, SiriusXM80. Of course, all the great ESPN stations across the country and the ESPN app. 
So we've had a lot of conversations about the Chicago Bears and what is going on with Justin Fields, their quarterback, as well as now Chase Claypool, their wide receiver, who basically was sent home. And yesterday, their head coach, Matt Eberflus, had literally six-plus straight minutes of questions at a press conference just about what's going on with Chase Claypool. Six minutes in a row, what's going on with Chase Claypool? And there was never really a definitive answer to that one, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, But also yesterday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern time here on ESPN Radio, Mike Greenberg, Greeny, had this interesting um, concept for the Chicago Bears and another team around the league as to what they should think about doing together. Did anyone watch Atlanta play yesterday morning? Desmond Ritter is absolutely not capable of being that team's quarterback. And the sad part is they could be pretty good. They've got a ton of good players on that offense, and he is not in any way capable of running it. You put Justin Fields on that team right now with Arthur Smith, dial it up some offense, give him a couple of weeks to figure out what they want to do. You get Drake London involved. You get Kyle Pitts involved. You got Bijan now. I think the Falcons should make a trade for Justin Fields right this minute. I think conceptually, Greeny's onto something. Here's my only problem with this. I don't know that Justin Fields is good enough to make a difference. In that division? Yeah, here's what I'll say. I don't know what Desmond Ritter is or isn't going to be, right? It's eight games in. But what I do know is right now, he's getting in the way of this team being able to have success and take advantage of the weapons that they put around him. Like, you've got Drake London, top 10 pick. You've got Kyle Pitts, top 10 pick. You've got B. John Robinson, top 10 pick. You've got a solid offensive line. You've got a solid defense. And then you look at the landscape of that division – the Bucks are the lead dogs, and you're talking about them being quarterback by Baker Mayfield. I don't think it's a high bar to clear in the NFC South. So I think there's an opportunity if the Falcons wanted to be aggressive, and why wouldn't they want to be aggressive now mm-hmm. with their head coach Arthur Smith in his third year and being on the hot seat? They've got to produce, and I think Justin Fields gets you closer to competing for that division title than having Desmond Ritter. Now, it's a matter of what the Chicago Bears would be asking in a trade for Justin Fields. Clearly, they're trending toward taking a quarterback at the top of the 2024 draft with the draft capital that they're in line to have. So I think there has to be something that makes sense for both sides there. But I'm with Greeny on this one. The Falcons looking to upgrade at the quarterback position by virtue of the circumstance with the division and with the skill position players that they have on the offensive side of the ball makes a ton of sense. I definitely think that they should be exploring options at upgrading the quarterback position. But if you're Atlanta and you really do want to go bring somebody in from the outside and you really want to go for it, do you want to do it with an unproven commodity like Justin Fields? I know Kirk Cousins has been part of that conversation. We know who Kirk Cousins is. But Justin Fields at this point, yes, he needs to get out of Chicago. It's a it's a bad situation yeah. for him. It's a dysfunctional situation. But I don't know if putting him on the Falcons is going to be a turnkey solution. I don't know if getting him out of Chicago is going to all of a sudden solve all of his problems at the quarterback position. And if you're Atlanta, that's a pretty big risk, bringing in somebody that you have a lot of questions about if that person is supposed to be the difference maker. Yeah, I'm not sold on him yet. And I know he had a good game this weekend up until the end, obviously. But he was going against a defense that allowed 70 points the week before. So let's not make the you know the Broncos out to be the 85 Bears. I think what Greeny's saying is right, conceptually. The Atlanta Falcons seem like they're that next team that can go out there and get that disgruntled quarterback that that somebody would want to go to. Like, obviously, you know, forever we thought that Rodgers was going to go to the Broncos. That did not happen. We thought they were the next up in that, and obviously it becomes Russell Wilson. Rodgers looks around the landscape, and he's like, okay, what team do I want to go to that potentially could win now if I'm there? Obviously he decides the Jets. 
it's not crazy to think whoever that next disgruntled quarterback is could look at Atlanta and say, that's where I want to go. Now, the question becomes, who's that next disgruntled quarterback? I don't think that's easy as easy to project right now where you have a turnkey situation where the guy is disgruntled, he wants to leave a certain situation, walk into Atlanta, and they're going to be an elite team as a result. I don't see that guy right now. Well, here's the thing. I... I, I... Atlanta needs to upgrade at the quarterback position. We're all in agreement there. Yeah. I think the question of who it is is a matter of debate. But just to push back on your point about Justin Fields, I mean, the head coach for the Atlanta Falcons is Arthur Smith. Mm-hmm. I mean, he dealt with Ryan Tannehill when he was a cast-off and nobody thought Ryan Tannehill could be a starter 2019-2020. Ryan Tannehill has 55 touchdown passes to 13 interceptions. With a guy that has comparable movement skills, comparable arm talent, I could see a case being made that Arthur Smith could get a better version out of Justin Fields than what we've seen in Chicago over the last three years. And so if you're talking about a matter of him being an upgrade in comparison to Desmond Ritter, I don't think there's any debate in that. Justin Fields is an upgrade. Now, how much of an upgrade and how far does that push the Atlanta Falcons? That That's, a, that's one of those things that, you know, will be remain to be seen. But I, I think when it comes to who the Falcons go after, it's a matter of compensation. Like, it, it, what kind of draft picks are the team that you're trading for is asking for that player? I think that would also inform a lot of how they make that decision. But they got to do something at quarterback because they are wasting, wasting really, really good talent at their skill position players on offense. I just don't know it's going to be this year. I don't know it's going to be this year. We have about 30 seconds, CC, so I want to go back to this thing. If you're the Bears, would you consider if compensation was right trading Justin Fields right now? Yes, he is no longer a part of my future. And you would do and it I'm now. And I'm not. I'm not trying to say I'm done with the head coach. I don't need to see any more from Matt Eberflus. I'm done. I don't need to see anything else from Ryan Poles. I'm done. And so it's about my future now. And if I can get a premium pick for Justin Fields now, why would I devalue that asset, risk him getting hurt and getting less for him? And how do you define premium pick? Must be first a, or second rounder. I don't think you're going to get that. Yeah, that's the problem. I think that the best team would go is maybe a third rounder. If that. If that. Buster only will join us, ESPN Baseball Insider, and host the Baseball Tonight podcast to talk playoffs and managerial news around baseball. Coming up next on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, It's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. All right, Cece, do it. Do it. You got to do it. (laughs) Busta what it is right now. Busta 
what it is right now. Buster, what it is right so now. I think every single question is going to have to be this way. We're going to ask it, Buster, what it is right now with. And that's how we're going to do it. It's on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Buster, only ESPN MLB insider, host of the Baseball Tonight podcast. He's got the Marlins and the Phillies tonight with Carl Ravitch and Eduardo Perez, as well as David Cohn. And Buster is going to be reporting on that series. So uh, we start, of course, with something that I know, that Buster was reaching out on one thing with CeCe, debating something football-wise. So, Buster, what it is right now with your opinion of Bill Belichick and the way in which Bill Belichick would view Bill Belichick? Explain this because it's a fascinating take. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate what it is, what it is. Uh, yeah, what I was sending it, what I was mentioning to him was, and, and look, I, I'm just going to say right now, I've never covered the Patriots. They don't know Bill Belichick. But what's been interesting from afar is, you wonder if Bill Belichick, the coach, how he would look at uh, himself if he were evaluating him and how long he would, uh, for lack of a better way to describe it, put up with a lack of success because uh, he's, he's very bottom line. There's no doubt about it. Think about all the free agents through the years that the Patriots have moved on from veterans where Bill's perspective has been, look, there's nobody bigger than the team, and there's nothing more important than team success, and yet here they are struggling year after year after year since Brady left. Uh, and I do think that age matters uh, to some degree if you're the Patriots you know, moving forward. I, and I'm, you know, would Bill Belichick put up, uh, as I mentioned to CeCe in the note I sent him, a 40-year-old right tackle who used to be an all-pro but is not getting it done. How long would Belichick put up with that? Yeah, I think that, by the way, they signed one of those in Riley Reef, who's actually out with an injury, like literally what you just said. Um, I think your overall point is a great one, Buster, and even for me as a Pats fan, because what, what he looks for are people that can outperform his contract. The question back to him is, is he outperforming his contract? By the way, same kind of thought process can be used with some of the managerial moves that we've seen over the last few days. Fascinating when we look at the hot stove already in baseball before we get to the postseason. Yankees are going to keep Boone. Mets are interested potentially in council. Angels make a move yesterday. Give us an update as to the managerial searches right now and why guys are staying and why guys are going. Yeah, and the Mets basically moving on from Buck Showalter because David Stearns, who got paid a ton of money, eight figures a year uh, for a five-year contract from the Mets to head up their baseball operations. One of the contingents uh, that he had in taking that job was he wanted to pick his own manager which you can understand. So they're going to move on. And, and you mentioned Craig Council, who's currently the manager of the Brewers, used to work with David Stearns when Stearns was with the Brewers. Uh, and, and, look, we're going to talk all winter about Shohei Otani is a free agent, Cody Bellinger is a free agent. Craig Council might be the most coveted free agent after this year. His contract is set to run up, and everybody in baseball is wondering, what does Council want to do? Because he's regarded as one of the best managers in baseball, and, yeah, can Steve Cohen, with all that money, basically buy him to come in and, and run the Mets with uh, David Stearns? Uh, yesterday, you know, Phil Nevin was let go by the Angels. I, I think, basically, he may have been rescued. <laughs> wow. the, Angels, wow. the Angels are the – I mean, let's face it. If you were to drop a list of most dysfunctional organizations in baseball, they are number one, without a doubt, uh, as they go forward. So maybe they did, did him a favor – you know, a month ago, when you talked to people within the Yankees organization, there, you know, the sentiment was, yeah, you know, Booney may have to be the sacrificial lamb for what has been a really difficult season. But they play better. They continued the streak of uh, you know, consecutive seasons without having a losing record. 
And so what I was hearing last week was that Booney was going to be safe. So the, there are, it, it is remarkable how many managerial jobs are open around baseball, and, and uh, we'll be following them. Buster, keeping an eye toward the postseason now, it's always spicy when you get division rivals in the wild card round, and that's what we got in the National League wild card between the Phillies and the Marlins NL East rivals. Now, the Phillies are a team that was in the World Series last year, lost to the Astros in six, but they're, they feel like they're built for October with Bryce Harper and Trey Turner and Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, and arguably the top two pitchers for the Miami Marlins in their starting rotation are not going to be available in this wild card round. So is this series going to be as one-sided as it looks? Or do you think that the Miami Marlins can figure out a path to being able to advance in the postseason? So I want to preface this by saying I picked the Phillies to win the World Series in this year's playoffs and to face the Astros again in the World Series. But the pressure is all on the Phillies. This is like an NCAA tournament. You know, a one seed Kentucky playing, you know, some division, <laughs> some small conference team. The pressure is on the Phillies in this series because in best of three, look, anything can happen. Jesus Lazardo is throwing for the, the Marlins tonight. Left-hander, uh, you know, grew up a Marlins fan. This is his moment to shine. He's got the third fastest average fastball velocity in baseball. And, and against the lineup with Schwarber and Bryce Harper, who's had success against the past, he could step up, and in one game, all of a sudden, the Phillies would be hanging on the precipice. So, yeah, I think the Phillies, with their stars, their experience from last October, they're the clear favorites. But, man, the Marlins and Carl Ravitch, uh, my colleague, was at the ballpark yesterday, said the Marlins are loose and free and no pressure, which is how it should be. So uh, I don't think that uh, the Marlins are going to win, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how the series plays out if the Marlins get off to an early lead in game one. Buster, let's go back to Craig Council and the Brewers. Part of the reason that people liked the Brewers, if they were picking them in the postseason, is because of their pitching. But they're losing Brandon Woodruff, uh, at least for this first round. How big of a loss is that for the Brewers? Can they overcome it? It's a body blow. Uh, and no team has had better pitching than the Brewers over the last six weeks. Uh, you know, an ERA, staff ERA around 2.7, a half run better than any other team. And Brandon Woodruff has been a big part of that. Uh so, you know, to lose him, it hurts the rotation, but they do have Corbin Burns. They do have Peralta, two guys with dominant stuff. They have an absolute lockdown bullpen. Their closer, Devin Williams, think about this. He's been averaging giving up a hit basically one a week during the regular season. 26 hits allowed in 58 in the third inning. So if the Brewers get a lead, they hand the ball their closer, it's pretty much over. Their challenge is going to be, uh, I, I think, generating runs. You know, their, their offense, it can be sporadic, uh, and it'll be interesting to see also how they handle the Diamondbacks and their aggressiveness on the bases. Diamondbacks were second in the big leagues in total stolen bases. Their young star outfielder, Corbin Carroll, uh, at the forefront of that. It is on Sportsman Like here on ESPN Radio. Hello, Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen with you, joined by Buster Only, ESPN MLB Insider, host of ESPN's Baseball Tonight podcast, available on the ESPN app. And he'll be a part of ESPN Radio's coverage tonight with the great Carl Ravitch, Eduardo Perez, David Cohn, as part of the Marlins and Phillies matchup, game one of that series in the National League. Buster, best case scenario, Major League Baseball storyline-wise, the World Series would feature which two teams? 
Uh, some combination. If you're looking purely for ratings, some combination. And look, the National League has some big market teams uh, that could be in there. The Braves will go in as the, the clear number one seed. So probably Braves versus Astros, you know, a, a reprise of the 2021 World Series, but Phillies, Astros. Those would be good, good storylines. And look, I, you know, the, the Astros kind of struggled during the regular season, but they remind me so much. And I've had this conversation with some of the current Astros. They remind me so much of those Yankee teams uh, from 98 to 2000, the last team to go back to back, in that they got bored with the regular season. I think that's what happened with the Astros this year to some degree. But now that they're playing on the biggest stage, you know, the question is going to be whether or not the Astros can be you know, can go back to back. And I do think the you know, their best baseball probably is in front of them this month. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that the last night of the Yankee dynasty, by the way, if people are interested in that written by Buster, just throwing that out there, just (laughs) hypothetically, you know, if you want to go buy that. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, Buster, uh, there's maybe some questions about Atlanta's pitching. Spencer Strider's look mortal in September. Max Fried missed a couple starts with a blister. Charlie Morton has the finger. Does any of that matter with Atlanta's offense? Yes, it does. Uh, look, I mean, we, it feels like that we're they're playing the same record to some degree that they did last year. They had an incredible surge, overcame the the ten and a half game lead of the Mets, won 101 games in the regular season, and then they were knocked out in the, the first time they got on the field in playoffs by the Phillies because their starting pitching was kind of banged up. If you remember, Strider was dealing with an injury, Charlie Morton was tired, Max Fried was sick. And now, you know, they, they, they will start the playoffs with questions about Freed and about Morton and how they are physically and their bullpen. Uh, it may be that they will hit past all of that. But, you know, generally speaking in the postseason, pitching dominates, which is why I think if you're a Braves fan, you're right to be concerned about what you've seen. Their offense is unbelievable, but we'll just see if, uh, you know, Freed and Morton in particular are okay. Buster, you know I'm a Yankees fan, so I'm always keeping an eye on the AL East, and they've got three teams in the postseason this year. Of those three teams, which manager is under the most pressure to go on a deep playoff run? And if you had to pick one, which one could make it to the World Series? Wow. Uh, You know, it's interesting because I I guess you'd say John Schneider of the Blue Jays is under the most pressure, Uh, you know, just because, I mean, Brandon Hyde, Kevin Cash are going to be – Brandon Hyde, the Orioles, Kevin Cash, the Rays are probably going to be in the conversation for American League Manager of the Year. You know, the, the Orioles have been one of the best stories in baseball this year with all the success they've had in the regular season. Um, I, You know, the team that I, I think among the three that has the best chance to advance, for me, are the Rays because of their experience. Uh, but they have had to deal with a lot of injuries – Wander Franco was taken off the field under investigation from Major League Baseball. He's their best player. They, you know, needed his balance in the lineup. But all that experience, Tyler Glass now uh, and Zach Eflin at the front of the rotation, excellent. Question about the Orioles for me is whether or not they can fill in the gap with their bullpen, having lost Felix Bautista, they're closer to that elbow injury. Buster, amazing job as always. We appreciate it. Of course, Buster only, ESPN MLB Insider, Baseball Tonight podcast, Marlins, Phillies tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern uh, on ESPN Radio, Carl Ravitch and television, of course, Carl Ravitch, Eduardo Perez, David Cohen, and Buster reporting on that. 8.30 uh, is first pitch, I believe, or 8 o'clock first pitch, excuse me. Uh, Buster, thank you so much. We really appreciate the time. All right, guys. Always fun to talk. All right, there he is, Buster only. Buster, what it is. 
right now. Bust up what it is right now. That's that's how we have to introduce him every time he comes on the show, right? There's an argument to ask every question with what it is right now with. Just saying. I with like a, it. With our Patriots insider, Buster Olney. Buster Olney. Buster <laughs> he had a good point. He had a good point about Belichick. I have to be fair on that. Coming up, should the tush push be banned because all the other teams actually stink at it? Next on Sportsmanlike. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. So what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go visit your parents, hang out with friends and catch a movie? They're all solid options. But what about devoting time to yourself? Maybe taking up a personal hobby you've put off. With everything in your life that you handle, work, picking the kids up from school, running errands, you never really get enough me time. The best way to squeeze that time into your schedule is to first understand your own personal value and then make yourself a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Prioritizing mental health is an important part of my life. Let BetterHelp empower you to be the best version of yourself and guide you along the journey of becoming a better you. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. It is Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, Sirius XM80, ESPNU, ESPN app, all of our great stations all across the country. Along with Michelle Smallman, Chris Canty, Evan Cohen, with you Monday Night Football last night. Seattle, big win over the Giants, 24-3. Giants next two games at 1-3 and three at Miami, at Buffalo, then home against the Commanders. Some may say over, including the guy who played for the Giants um, on this show. You know, one of the interesting things that's developing in the NFL, and we uh, I'll give us credit. I feel like we were the first ones to talk about it, uh, is the tush push, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? That's become a big theme and brotherly shove, as some have described it, specifically with Philadelphia, because we have to do it specific to Philadelphia because they're the ones that actually do it, and it works yep. almost all of the time with their offensive line. And as many people have pointed out, the fact that, oh, yeah, by the way, Jalen Hurts is really strong. I think he could squat 600, 600 pounds, pounds yeah. which means your legs are really strong and you could drive into the end zone. Well, this has now become a whole thing. Should it be legal or not legal? And Nuno, uh, our producer, has brought up an interesting point that he wants it banned, not because he thinks there's an injury problem or a rule problem, but just because everyone stinks at it but the (laughs) Eagles. So he doesn't want the teams to actually be allowed to do it because conceptually you look at it and you're like, and the NFL is a copycat league. Yeah. But you copy things that are going to work. And if they don't work for you, you shouldn't copy them, right? I mean, it's like I think Pat, our other producer, brought up the Golden State Warriors. Like, hey, they're really good at shooting threes. Let's all now shoot threes. But if you don't make threes, 
You shouldn't shoot threes. If you want to be in baseball, a home run hitting team and just out slug people and you get eight Ozzie Smiths, you're not going to win that way. He's a great defensive player, not an offensive player. Uh, defensive some player, pretty yeah. important home runs in his career. But you get what I'm saying. He's not <laughs> a home run hitter. <laughs> sure, right? sure, sure. So sure. the copycat, when you're not good at something, doesn't necessarily make sense. Now, we go further on this. Micah Parsons on the Edge Micah Parsons show as Bleacher Report had this to say, Cowboys defender, about the tush push. They have the team to do the tush push. The Eagles have the best O-line in the game. So, yes, it's a cheat code. Uh, they're unstoppable at it. They have the best O-line, and they have uh, a quarterback who's squatting 600, and he knows how to move his legs. We just have to deal with it. We have to adjust. We have to prepare to stop it. And it's not up to the league to say, hey, just because you can't stop it, we have to take it away. No, we have to get better. We have to get stronger up front, and we have to stop it. We have to get them out of it. Like, I don't want to be a part of a league that's like, hey, I can't stop something. I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough to beat it. So we got to take it out the game. No, guys, this is this is football. This is man football. We got to man up and stop it. Well, that's spoken like somebody that's not in the middle of that scrum when they do do the brotherly <laughs> shove or the tush push. Yeah, he's on the Michael outside. Parsons is on the edge. He he ain't in the middle where all the smoke is at. <laughs> right. So he can say that. That that's a level of privilege. Sometimes we got to do a better job of having awareness and recognizing our privilege. He clearly does not. But here's the thing. It's not because the Eagles have the brotherly shove and nobody in football can stop it. That That's not the argument against having it in the game. The argument against having it in the game is player safety. Mm-hmm. We saw what happened a few years ago when the NFL banned of defensive players being shoved by linebackers on the next level on field goals and extra points. That was a player safety issue. I don't know how you can look at that ban and then not have – the direct correlation to what we see with the brotherly shove and say, hey, that might not be in the best interest of player safety moving forward. To me, that is the only argument against that play. It's not a competitive imbalance because everybody has an opportunity to put their team together in order to be good at that play, and that's a them problem if they choose not to. But to me, the argument against the brotherly shove or the tush push has to be a player safety argument. Otherwise, there is no argument. Well, the amazing thing is now it's not – at least out of the last few days, it's not comparable to the old school extra point where they changed the extra point because it was a gimme. It's no longer a gimme. These teams are actually stinking at it, including last no, night. No, I'm not talking about the extra point. I know, I'm saying I'm saying it, it can only be health and safety because yeah. teams are failing at it. Yeah. They, got ri- they moved the extra point back because it was like 100% of the time teams would make the extra point. Mm-hmm. That was the initial thought. Hey, this is going to work every time. It's failing more than it's not, including last night. Oh. The Giants game against the Seahawks. Patriots were seeing on the TV side of ESPNU failed at it over the weekend against the um, Dallas Cowboys. But Peyton Manning and Eli Manning during the Manning cast, ESPN2, Omaha Productions, uh, here on the ESPN Family and Networks, were watching it last night. And here's Peyton getting angry that the tush push did not work and why. That guard's got to get his hand more on the butt. He's got to get it up in there a little more. He's not pushing hard enough. He didn't get a push. Yeah. Pre-snap, he's got to have his hand on the butt and then yeah. go, right? He waited. You see? He's got he's no space. The quarterback. No, he's no chance that's going to work. you got to push the right butt cheek specifically. Yes. Each, each of them got a butt cheek. they got to get – yeah, that is disappointing. Yeah. There's three guys back there. One takes each cheek and one goes right down the middle. There's room in there. Yeah, you know, CC, it's we three guys play. back there. One takes each cheese. How and many one goes cheese? down the middle. How many cheese? Hey, <laughs> phrasing. So that's why other teams stink at it. It's because they're not wow. grabbing the right cheeks. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, CC, Real we didn't cheeky. we didn't play, Real so cheeky. let's defer to you. Is there a specific butt cheek that needs to be grabbed when doing this? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, CC. Is the right more favorable? We didn't play. I'm not a no, no, we didn't play. Go ahead. Come on. Yeah, it we seems didn't like the play. right cheek has more success if you're grabbing oh, and pushing man. on the right you cheek. You got to right? get up in there, you small. Get in on Peyton right Manning cheek. said you got to get up handful. in there. He's got to get all up in there. He's got to have his hand on the cheek before the ball yeah. is even stuck. And now, can you do the two cheeks or you only got to do the one cheek? Well, you don't want to get greedy, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, like Peyton Manning is saying, that each what? player should take a cheek. So, I mean, I think it's it's a two-hand on one cheek. Like yeah. It's, so, it's, four hands total on the cheeks. Exactly. I exactly. think the more... The Sounds more, like the preseason in Dallas. The more area you cover yeah. with the cheeks, the better chance you have of successfully pushing through, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Now, you're saying with the two, the four hands total or just two hands? That's right. I mean, four, four hands... Well, you got to have complete coverage. You got to have complete coverage of the cheeks. Too much? No matter how many hands it. you got, you got to have complete coverage of the cheeks. Yeah, I think Peyton broke it down in a way. We're talking about a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, exactly. He knows... And you got to get up in there. ...how to grab those cheeks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he knows. Exactly. And he's talking to his brother, so maybe they've done it together. I mean, he's a quarterback, right? So he spent a lot of time grabbing cheeks, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. we did have Jeff Saturday... Here. Exactly. We did have Jeff Saturday earlier. Oh, we should have asked him. him about Peyton grabbing those cheeks. Yeah, exactly. Because he was Peyton Center is what I'm talking well, about. Well, he gave a detailed description on, on how right. to figure this out and how to execute it properly. But I think Peyton's synopsis was you got to have full coverage of the cheeks. But not. In order to convert. <laughs> but not in order to win, you got to have full coverage of the cheeks. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.